Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. I remember back when Zach was in high school, and I was, I was struggling to try to get him to get good grades because, of course, it was my job to make sure that Zach got good grades. Right, Zach? So I bought Zach. I tried a number of tactics, one of which was buying him a book. Now, I couldn't get him to read his school books. Why would I think that he would buy and read an, another book? So if I recall, I think we got a copy of the book on audio and hoping that he would list hopes that he would listen. I think he at least made it through the author's introduction, maybe. I'm not sure. But the book, the point of the story is the book was called, of all things, Do Hard Things. Do hard things. And so I was thinking of that this week as, as I was preparing this teaching and recalling that Great, great time that Zach and I had together as a father and son, <laughs> trying to really bond through getting good grades. Thankfully, we found other things to bond about because that never happened. So, but now he's getting really good grades in the police academy. So that's, that's a positive. If, you, if you're going to get good grades, get it in a place where it can save your life. There's a, there's a life lesson for you. But has anyone ever done anything hard? Well, lucky you, if your hand is not up. I think probably everyone who's lived more than about a year and a half has probably done something hard. But has anyone ever done anything worthwhile? Good, real solid participation, I like it. Anyone ever done anything because you really felt the direction of God leading you to do that thing? That's one that you, you may actually not raise your hand to, and that's okay. That's not a judgment, but that's a, that's a question. Has anyone ever noticed that the things that are really worth doing also happen to be really hard to do? That's kind of an old cliche statement, anything worth doing is hard to do, right? But has anyone ever noticed that quite often the things that God asks us to do are not easily done? Usually not easily done. Anyone ever noticed that? Good. Has anyone ever noticed that when God gives you the inspiration or the call or the commandment or whatever word you want to use to do something, it often doesn't go the way we think it should go. Anyone ever noticed that? I've noticed that. Anyone ever noticed that serving God, obeying God, living for God, trying to affect the world for God, and doing things that God says to do are often difficult to do? In a messianic community, you should know that because most people don't understand you and that's difficult, but that's just one of a million examples. Anyone ever wondered why the Lord's Prayer, the, the, most, oft, the, 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 the most common prayer that is said in all of the world, 
why does it have to say in this prayer, don't let us be overcome by trials. We sang it right there. Don't let us be overcome by trial. Now, that's a, that's a kind of a, a, a novel translation, but actually an accurate translation because what's the classic kind of Catholic Christian translation of the Lord's Prayer? Do not lead us into temptation. That's kind of a stupid thing to say about God. He doesn't do that, right? If God leads you into temptation, that is not gonna work out very well. He does, however, allow you to be tested. And that is what the term nisayon means, trial, testing. So has anyone ever noticed that the Lord's Prayer says, do not let us be overcome by trial? Why doesn't it just say, don't give me any trials? That would be better. I would like that better. And I bet many of the favorites in the Bible, our heroes would too. See, here's the way I would like to say it. God, I get it. You gave me a good word. You gave me a task. You gave me a job to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set about to do that. Uh, you, you told me you're going to do good things for me. Tell you what, let's just do that part. Forget about the testing thing. I know, I know, God, it builds character. But the thing is, I feel like I'm already pretty built. I don't feel as if I need any more building. So let's, let's cut that part out. Because I can tell you, God, testing is not good for me. Anyone ever had a conversation like this? I have. Could there be, could there be, Anyone ever considered that there really could be some great value in the things that God puts you through? Of course, and I've given you a lot of messages about this, but I think every time I come to Lech Lecha, I'm forced to evaluate what people in the Bible that we admire willingly went through. And so every year at Lech Lecha, I think of Nisayon. I think of testing because Abraham certainly was tested. Certainly. As a matter of fact, Ju Judaism establishes 10 trials of Abraham. It's not actually Judaism, it's the Torah. Now, there are a number of creative lists about Abraham's 10 trials, but Rambam's 10 10 nisayon or nisyonot is actually the plural, but Nisayon, Abraham's 10 tests. Ready? God tells him to leave his homeland to be a stranger in a strange land. That is Lech Lecha. That is this week's Torah portion in Genesis 12 where he says, get out of your home. Leave your father's land. Go where I'm going to tell you. So that's his first test because how many people would pass that one? Some in here have, but most people, if you woke up and said, I hear you, God, you're telling me to leave everything behind, every relationship, every friendship, everything, everything, and just go, get on the road and go? Is that a test for anyone? Yeah, I would. I would fail that probably because it would take me six months to try to argue out with God why that wasn't a good thing to do. 
Test one, leave your homeland. Test two, after his arrival in the promised land, he encounters a famine. Test three, the Egyptians seize his wife. Test four, Abraham faces incredible odds in this battle against these four and five kings. Test five, he marries Hagar after not having children with Sarah. Test six, God tells him to circumcise himself. (sighs) Test seven, the king of Gerar captures Sarah, intending her to take her for himself. Talk about testing. I mean, Sarah's not having an easy run of it either here. She must have been really good looking. That's what Jewish tradition says, because everybody wanted Sarah. She was older too. So that's, that's, a, that's a good miracle. God tells Abraham, send Hagar away. After he had already had this bond with Ishmael, right? And that's his ninth trial. His son, his blood, whom he loved, he has to send away and become estranged from Ishmael. And test 10, of course, we all know what is Abraham's ultimate test. It's called the Akeda in Hebrew, the binding of Isaac which is a very, very, very difficult test. So in order to make my point, I only need to draw on two of those trials to make this first point that I want to make. And what points am I making? I'm making some points today about navigating Nisayon. That is, how do we face and conquer struggle, trial, tests? But I only need two. So here's how this goes. I told you the first test, God tells him to leave his homeland to be a stranger in the land of Canaan. Okay, honey, I've thought this through. God has told me we are leaving everything. Well, we're going to take the the people we made and some of the stuff we we had here in Haran, but Sarai, we're going to do it. Abram, It's a big step, honey. Are you sure? I'm sure. As a matter of fact, Sarai, I've had these t-shirts made. Lech lecha, baby. We're getting out of here. Rolling. I have it. Abram, it's a big, big step. So long, Haran. We're out of here. And it goes like this. Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem at the Terebinth of Moreh. The Canaanites were there in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and he said, I will give you this land. I will assign this land to your offspring. And he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And he built there an altar to the Lord and he invoked the Lord by name. Sarai, check this out. I built an altar. I have called on God by his name and he has promised that we are going to own this land. We're rolling, honey. We're rolling. Next verse. Abram journeyed by stages toward the Negev. There was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Rolling, huh, Abram? Rolling. Rolling, I suppose, into Egypt because there's no food where you brought us. I'm so glad that I listened to you and that you heard from God, Abram. I'm so happy. 
Now, Sarah was a woman of great faith. It probably didn't happen that way. And wives are always smarter than men anyway. So she would have known what was going on. But kidding aside, God makes all these incredible promises to Abram. And what happens? He's obedient. He steps out and he's going, I don't know where we're going, honey, but it's going to be good. And where do they go? Smack dab into the greatest famine that the land had seen. And what is next? Let's truck it on out of here. That's the second trial. He has to survive this horrible famine that's taking place in the place that God sent him. And here we come to decision point, And there are two choices, the easy way and the hard way. That's usually the way life goes. The easy way and the hard way. What is the easy way? The easy way is to say, I quit. I'm out. I heard wrong. I just, this isn't, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. And, and I made a mistake and I'm sorry. And God, why'd you do this? What's up? And then the hard way is to keep going. The hard way is to trust the plan. And some people would call that blind faith. I don't like that word. I don't like that concept too much because that's actually not what Abraham or Abram at this time did. The Talmud says this in Pesachim 64b, one should not depend on miracles. That would be an affront to some people I know. One should not depend on miracles. There was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt. Where do we read in the text that God told him to do that? Where do we read that God said, you know what, this is how it's going to work. And, and okay, well, that didn't work out. So now Abram, go on down to Egypt. And where do we see Abraham sitting down on the ground and saying, you know what, Sarah, we just... Sarai, we just have to have faith. We're going to sit right here in the midst of this famine and wait for God to bring food down from heaven for us. Where does he do that? He doesn't do either of those things. What does he do? One simple statement. Abraham went down to Egypt. He made a decision to take matters into his own hands and headed down to Egypt Illustrating for us lesson one of Nisayon navigation. You ready for it? It actually comes not from the Torah, not from the Talmud, but from St. Augustine. And you've heard it before. Pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. This is not very spiritual, Damien. You're telling me to not have faith? Pray as if everything depended on God. Work as if everything depended on you. Do you understand my point? Abraham decided that we're going to Egypt. The lesson, Talmud, the Talmud takes a lesson from Abraham and it says, when famine breaks out, leave for another place. Even if it has dangers, and it did have dangers because what happened when they got there? Pharaoh wanted to take away his wife. 
So Abraham makes this choice because he says, I got to do something. Make this choice, go to Egypt, even if it has dangers, and it did have dangers, and they tried to take his wife. But at the end of the day, what happened? Because Abraham worked and made a decision, they left Egypt immensely blessed. Do you remember that? Pharaoh poured out upon him all of these these animals and all this different kind of stuff in Genesis 16. Because of her, it went well with Abram. Hear that, husbands? It's also usually the way it goes. Because of her, it will go with you. He acquired sheep, oxen, male, all this stuff. So understand this most basic thing about lesson one. Trials are for a purpose. You're going to need to play a part in it, though. It drives me insane when people come to me and ask me for advice and say, well, I just hadn't heard from the Lord on it. I need, I I got to do something. You're right. You do have to do something. You need to do something. You need to make a decision to work and get busy. takes us directly into lesson two, which is quite easy because Moshe presents for us this perfect story. I'm going to be brief because these are simple lessons to take home and I want you to take them home. God, Moses, listen up. Got great plans for you. Moses, God, I'm not interested. Well, Guess what, Moses? You don't have a choice. It's going to go well. The people are going to love you. They're going to think you're awesome. They're going to talk about you for years. You are going to be just a player. They're going to love you. Huh. Okay. See, see Moses, I'm going I'm to make you like God in the eyes of Pharaoh. It's going to be good. Okay. I'm sold. I'll do it. So he heads out. Sounds like a good plan so far. Goes into Egypt. What happens? Pharaoh doesn't like Moses very much. This Pharaoh, problem. What does he do? He takes away the straw. He says, make the same bricks. The people come to Moses. They say, we hate you. You're not awesome. You're not a player. As a matter of fact, they say, may the Lord look upon you and punish you for making us loathsome to Pharaoh and his courtiers, putting a sword in their hands to slay us. And Moses probably thought, hmm, this isn't what I had in mind. But those plagues were awesome. And Moses did do some pretty cool things with God's help. And so they bust out of Egypt. And what's happening? Everything's looking up. And they're rolling. Right up to the seashore. And behind them, is also somebody rolling on chariots, Pharaoh's entire army coming to close in on them. And what happens? Do the people say, Moses, Moses, we love you. No, they don't say that. And God's plan and all the promises he told Moses, Moses is going, what the is going on? And the people say to him, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? That's in Exodus 14. But Moses stands up because Moses is a leader and he stands up and he has this impassioned 
plea to answer this impassioned speech, and he says, do not fear. Stand by. See the salvation of the Lord, which, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. So the people say, and are saying, Moses, what were you thinking? And Moses says, relax. It's going to be fine. Stand by and be silent. And as the armies and the chariots bear down, Moses, I have a feeling is anything but silent. I've told you this before. I imagine him giving this speech and stand strong, be firm, be, be strong. God's going to deliver you. God, what were you thinking? What is going to happen right here? What do you expect me to do with all these people? And then God says this, and I love it. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Torah. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, Moses, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through in the midst of the sea on dry land. I love it. Related lesson from one, work as though it depends on you. Pray as if it depends on God. But Moses' lesson right here that he hears from God is do something. Take action. Moses, as for you, take your staff, lift it over the water, and something's going to happen. Do your part. I will always do my part. But if you want to navigate testing, you will take action. It sounds the same as what I said in point one, but point one is about making a decision to do something. Because do you know how paralyzing it is? It's actually got a term, paralysis of analysis. That is Abraham sitting on the ground, dying of starvation instead of thinking through a solution. And Moses demonstrates for us from God, once you, have a, once you have a solution, then do it. Don't overanalyze that as well. Just start going. And it worked out. And it always works out. Maybe not the way we exactly think, but it always works. Lesson two, I'll, remember, I'll never forget this. When I was considering leaving my job and becoming full-time in this position of rabbi, I was reading a book called Circle Maker, and it's by a Christian pastor who built a lot of churches and did all kinds of stuff, and it's a really, really good book. But I will never forget the one chapter, and this is the one line that I believe God communicated to me, that made me make the decision where he says, Moses knew if he didn't take the step, he would forfeit the miracle. That has guided me through a lot of different things. Lesson two, take the step. Don't forfeit the miracle. Lesson three comes from David. It's very straightforward. David had it going on. 
little ruddy kid, all his big brothers. Samuel says, no, none of them. It's him. He's the king of Israel. And it says from that point forward, the Lord, like the, the spirit of the Lord fell on David in a mighty way from that point forward. We're in 1 Samuel, right? He's got it going on. Next thing you know, Saul loves him. The king of Israel loves this little kid who's already, not a little kid, who's already received the promise he's gonna be king. The spirit of the Lord is all over him. He goes to Saul, he's playing music for him. The next thing you know, he's out in the battlefield picking up one stone and killing this Goliath guy and everyone loves him and he chops off his head and man, they say, we love you, David. And then what happens? Saul didn't love him anymore. So all of the promises that God made and all of the great things that David did vanished. And he runs all over Israel. He lives in caves. He has a band of brothers. But I mean, he's running. This is the king of Israel? God, what is up here, man? Did you know that David even left Israel? He went to live with the Philistines because he was so tired of the way it was going. Do you know the Philistines didn't even want David around? They kicked him back out into Israel. And we have to go all the way through the whole book of 1 Samuel to get to 2 Samuel to see something happen. David becomes the king. And people love David. And he finally, finally gets to walk in the role that God promised to him. What's the lesson? Testing can last a long time. And it can be very difficult for a long time. It does not mean that God has abandoned the plan. It doesn't mean that you heard wrong. It doesn't mean those things. It means somehow or another, this is the time where you demonstrate faith as you make decisions along the way and you take action. And now when the thing goes on and on, and I know for many in this room, you have been through trials that have gone on and on and on. And sometimes it just happens that way. Anything worth doing is going to test you and sometime that testing is going to last a while. Lesson four comes from Yeshua. It's very simple to illustrate. Things start out really good, don't they, Dave? Matthew 3. And when Yeshua was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was the beginning of Yeshua's ministry. What's next? Next chapter, next line. And Yeshua was led into the wilderness for tempting for 40 days and he didn't eat and he was hungry. What happened to the promises, God? Like, I thought we had a deal here. I'm your son. You're proud of me, right? Everyone God chooses to accomplish something great is going to be tested. It does not matter 
how special you are because this dude was pretty special. Now imagine if Matthew had recorded this conversation. Dad, the wilderness, come on. I'm your son. You know me, I'm qualified. I don't need that. I don't need that testing thing. Come on, we're good. Doesn't matter who you are or how special you might think you are or how special you actually are. You will, if you are doing something great, if you are striving to do something great because God has led you in that direction, you will be tested. Now, break, pause. There's four things. Here's the thing. Do you know what the problem is with this whole thing? And it only came to me late in the week, yesterday, as a matter of fact. Do you know why this isn't relevant for most people, everything I'm talking about right here? Because they think of testing as, ooh, I, I, I was late on a bill I had a car wreck. I got a cold. Most people don't aspire to anything great. Most people just want to go through life and get to the end of it and retire and have some money in the bank and have a house and be happy because that's what life is about happiness. I have horribly bad news for you. When you're striving to do something great, that is not the way it goes. Now, you have a choice. You have a choice. You can live that life. It's okay. You can just work for retirement and just call it and say, I'm good, I'm good. Or you can make a decision. You can be different than everyone else. Most people won't. And most people will listen to this and go, oh, that's cute. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to the people who are going to listen to God and do something special with their lives. And you have that choice. No matter how old or how young, how talented, how uneducated, God doesn't need any of those things as we learn from David. But here's the last thing and it's brief. Here's the conclusion and it's, we've learned Abraham, we've learned Moses, we've learned David, we learned Yeshua, and now we learn you. Because you're the last one. You're the last lesson here. And this is what Yeshua told us and this is what we know because he told us in John 5, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And man, that's a pretty good promise. That has something to do with eternal life. And I believe that. Do you believe that? That in Yeshua, there is an eternal reward, an eternal promise awaiting us. That is something great. I believe that. I also believe John 16, where he says, these things I've spoken to you, so that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have your word in, tribulations, trouble. It's a different word than nisayon. It's, it means something different. But the point is the same. That is Jesus the Christ. That is the Messiah of the world telling you, 
listen, I'm with you, but to be quite frank, this life might suck sometimes. Pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. Don't forfeit the miracle. Take a step. Do something. Don't give up. Some tests are going to last a while. And do not be caught off guard when you face difficult times. Everyone, including the king of Israel, was tested. We don't even get to the cross. We're talking about the wilderness. You want to talk about a test. Those heroes that we've studied today, Abraham, Moses, David, Yeshua, and you. If you want to do hard things, not want. If you're willing to do hard things, you will be called upon at some point in your life for your own lech lecha. That's what he says to Abraham. Get yourself out. And your personal lech lecha, you know where you're probably going to get yourself out of? Your comfort zone. And on the other side of that is something amazing. But that's your decision. You look at how these stories ended for them. I've lived those moments out of my comfort zone. I know that we all have. And if I know anything, I know we will again. Count on it. But the test ends well for us because, of course, God is in it with us. Look at, look at, look at the way their stories ended, all of these guys. There are many, many more in the Bible that I could point out. But these are just some big big ones, some rough stuff, tough decisions, difficult circumstances. But Emmanuel, what's it mean? God is with us. So Yeshua taught us specifically to pray through our lech lecha moments. Do not let us be overcome by testing. And now you know why it's in there. Yeshua finishes John 16, 33 with this promise. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have nisayon. But take courage. I have overcome the world. So be encouraged in him. Navigate every Nisayon. Let's rise. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.